Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time for what? Time for what? Experience in college. Time for reinforcements. Time for liftoff! Where nothing is impossible unless you think it is impossible. College. College. My college scholarship. Yes. College ran by real fast. You hung in with the best college... First time for everything. Well, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Let's do this thing. Genius, let's do this thing! Welcome to our sophomore parents um, and guardians. Thank you for taking time out of your evening to be with us today. So we have four other wonderful colleagues with me tonight. The first one I'll introduce is Anna Maria Vaccaro. She is another wonderful, amazing college counselor. And then we have Miss Jessie uh, Havel. She is a personal academic counselor, but she is here to answer any questions you have about course selection. Um, Jessie, did you want to say a couple of things? Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming tonight. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jessie. Thanks for being with us too. And then my honor to introduce Amber and Kuka, Amber Patterson from TCU and Kuka from UCSB. So I'm going to give them some time to introduce themselves in just a little bit. I'm going to just go over really quickly the college counseling timeline for your students at SI. So I will go year by year and let you know the different touch points, the different connections, um, what they'll be learning with us and some parent nights we have as well. So this year kicked off our uh, time with them or process with them with the first Jan uh, January X period where we met. And so we kind of went over the college counseling timeline with them as well, talked about testing and introduced them to SCORE. We will have a second um, X period in March where they will be with their college counselor. And then we're going to have a digital practice PSAT night um, letting you know about the evening. So we partner with Compass um, just to give a little bit more information because the SAT is changing. We'll also have a college planning workshop shop or we call it CPWs. Your student will meet your their college counselor in small groups. So that'll take place in April. We'll talk about different topics around the college process. So that will be this year. And then um, junior year, we'll have X periods, multiple X periods throughout the year. We'll have a fall kickoff pretty close to when school starts. And then in the spring, we'll be talking about personal statements, those fun essays that they'll be starting to write. So we'll have an X period with the UCs and then one with the Common App. And then we'll have college visits that happen in the fall. We have over like 100 uh, colleges that come and visit SI just to meet your students, right? So as juniors, they have the opportunity to start exploring and learning about various colleges. Then we'll have a junior parent guardian night, similar to this evening, but we'll get into more nitty gritty things. There's a scholarship workshop available for students, and then we'll have additional college planning workshops where we'll talk about various parts of the college process. We'll also have college affordability slash financial aid evening where um, you can hear from college reps. We also had one in January um, if you're able to attend. And then in spring, your student will be able to meet with their college counselors um, individually. Then senior year, we have lots of X periods as well. Um, we'll have a fall kickoff. We'll have lots of college application help workshops, usually during X periods where they can come work on their essay. College counselors, counselors are all there. You can work on their application, activities and achievements section, lots of opportunities for help. We'll also have a senior parent night, a financial aid night, focusing more on the FAFSA and the CSS profile. The college visits will happen again, and they're um, during, they're usually upper lunch and after school, so perfect for junior and seniors, and then individual meetings in the fall and a scholarship workshop. So there's lots of opportunities and help resources for your students along the way in the college process. All right, so I'm going to hand it over to Amber and Kuka for them to introduce themselves. Good evening, everyone. As stated, I'm Kuka Acosta. I'm the Associate Director for Admissions at the University of California, Santa Barbara, UCSB. And I'm excited to share a little bit about the University of California's point of view. I've been in the Office of Admissions for 20 years. So if I don't know it by now as part of the University of California system, then you don't need to know it. I look forward to chatting with you. Thanks for allowing me to be here tonight.
Hi, I'm Amber Patterson. I am a regional director of admissions for Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. I learned everything I know about the UC system from Ms. Kuka Acosta. Um, so you guys are in great hands with her. I am actually located here in California with all of you because of the number of um, applicants that we get from California. TCU thinks it's really important to have somebody in close contact with all the high schools here um, who understands California trends, California students and what's going on. And I came to TCU after a 10-year career of college counseling at high schools here in California. So y'all are very familiar with me and I'm happy to be here with you tonight. Thank you so much. So right now we're going to go into a section to understand the difference between some of our colleges, the UCs and a private institution. So the floor goes to the UC system first. What is it that the UC systems want from their applicants, especially for academics? That's not a loaded question. I don't know what is, but we'll start with the basics. The University of California has a set of courses that we expect all of our freshman applicants to complete. Hopefully you've heard this term before, A through G. Yes, those seven academic subjects and 15 core classes that need to be completed by the end of senior year in high school. While many students do well above the minimum, we talk about those 15 core classes. When it comes to the University of California, academics in that spotlight, there's two questions that we're going to ask you. And that is, what was available to you at your high school? And what did you choose to take advantage of? So students need to ask themselves, why? Why this class? Why these set of classes? And we want you to think about what's right for you, not what your best friend or your, the person next to you is doing in class, because everyone is looked at individually. So strengths can be playing to your academic preferences. I love math. Well, think about taking extra math. Think about taking a higher level math, maybe an honors type of course or curriculum. Note that if your major is going to be something in the engineering or science realm, math is a really strong foundation for that. When it comes to academics, though, the University of California doesn't expect straight A's, though I, I think that's a myth out there. But when we don't see solid grades, we're going to ask why. So be ready to answer those particular questions and recognize that within the University of California, we ask you to report the classes that you've completed in our self-reported UC application. And we, the admissions office, will then calculate your GPA using all of your academic a through G coursework completed after ninth grade, 10th grade, all the way through the summer after 11th grade. So two academic years and three summers. Wait, freshman year was amazing. Why aren't you counting it? Mm. No, my friends, we will look at it, but it's not part of your GPA for the University of California. And we don't compare you to anyone else. So if you're thinking, well, I could have gone to a different high school and gotten a higher GPA, we're not doing comparisons. The point of view of the University of California is what did you choose to take and how did you excel in that? Got it? Good. Okay, now, Amber, it's your turn. How is this different for the private schools regarding academics? So not all that different, to be quite honest. Um, I think the biggest difference you'll, you will see is you know, within the UCs, you have that A through G requirement that is the same and is known for all of them. There isn't a list like that that is the same and known for every private school. Um, however, I will say that the UC's A through G list is pretty rigorous and will help you out. If you are doing what the UC is expecting of you, that is going to do well for you um, if you're looking at private institutions as well. And you can definitely take the time to research private institutions' websites ahead of time if, you, if your student knows which schools they're interested in, they will be telling you their own um, guidelines. The one major difference that I do see on a regular basis is that a lot of private schools do like to see that third year of a language other than English that's a little above and beyond um, the UC requirement in that one area, although the UC loves to see that third year as well. Some things that we love to see also is a steady or upward grade trend. We would rather see your grades improving than declining. And then again, if there is a decline, we want to know why. Same thing. We like to see some evidence of exploration. So if you have an area that you are really interested in, we want to see you deeply exploring coursework in that area. 
If you don't know what you want to study, we want to see some evidence that you are trying to explore and figure that out, right? Academic rigor is really something that's important and it's going to be looked at at a lot of um, selective private schools. So, you know, challenging yourself and taking advantage of some of those advanced level classes, but with some balance. We don't want to see students load up their entire schedule with that so that they're burnt out and don't have time to do anything else. We want to see students doing that in areas that they're really interested in or areas that they're really curious about and have done well in before. But if we see that a student has not taken advantage of any advanced coursework at their high school, we sometimes will start to wonder how prepared they are to really take on the advanced coursework in college. So we do like to see that as well. Now I need you guys to be myth busters because a lot of times it's just academics, right? Just academics. Amber, is it just academics or are activities considered and what are the colleges looking for? Academics are kind of the biggest piece, right? They're kind of the, 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 the first look is a big, big part. We want to make sure that you can come to campus and be successful in our classroom because ultimately that's what's going to drive your degree. However, activities are very important to us as well. When we do holistic review, we do holistic review. So some of the things that we like to focus on or like to, like to see in students, so we like to see students doing meaningful activities. We don't want students to sign up for every club on campus and maybe attend meetings. That doesn't really mean anything. We would rather them sign up for the clubs that they're really interested in and maybe grow within that club or do some special projects with them or activities with them or maybe have some leadership. I love this next one. And this comes from our dean of admissions. He referred to students as pointy one time um, because people ask, you know, oh, you're only looking for that really well-rounded student. But I, you know, play this sport that takes all this extra time or I have this really directed hobby. That's fine, too. We're building a community. We don't want everybody to be very well-rounded in these little spheres everywhere. We are okay with a student with a really distinct interest area also, right? That is fine. Um, we definitely want quality over quantity. It's not a number of activities that you've done. We want to see depth of participation and your real passion for things. We love to see leadership. It doesn't have to be leadership in everything you did, but we like to see that, that you can take on some extra responsibilities and things like that. We're building a community. So, you know, in addition to the classroom, you're going to be living with these students and interacting with these students um, and they're they're building our campus culture and community. So we like to see community service, students that are involved in building that kind of culture in their high school. Exploration is fine. If there's, you know, if they try something out and don't like it, move on and try something else. You don't have to stick with what you didn't like. And then just really quickly here, everything counts. I've told students, I've used this <laughs> example a few times of, if you teach yourself how to play the harmonica by watching YouTube videos, that is an activity and you should be telling us about it. Because what we really you th want to think about what goes on the college application is what are those activities saying about you? So if you taught yourself how to play the harmonica by watching YouTube videos, I know that you are self-directed, you are creative, you've got a good work ethic because you didn't give up when no one was telling you you had to do this. So those things tell us more than just that you did that one thing. So Really, everything counts. And that includes family responsibilities, too. So um, if a student's helping take care of grandma or grandpa, younger sibling, all of that matters. Okay, Kuka, you mentioned A to G, A to G. So is it just A to G for the UC? Or what's all this about activities with the UCs? Now, the University of California is going to echo a lot of what was stated, and that is that we have primarily a holistic admissions or a comprehensive review, if you will, which means that the foundation of our freshman evaluation is going to be academics. But with the number of applications that we receive across the UC system, there's way too many students who are amazing academically. And our faculty have asked us to look outside of the classroom on how a student will contribute to the diversity of our UC campus student body. Now, I need to make a little sort of asterisk mark and a footnote, and that is that because of Proposition 209 in the state of California, diversity cannot and will not mean gender, ethnicity, race. It will not mean uh, me looking at uh, the ability to say, okay, well, I need more students who are female in engineering. So let me admit more of those students. Um, we can't do that. So when we're talking about holistic admission leading to a diverse student body, it's diversity of intellect. It's diversity of geographic location. It's diversity of experiences. So it, for us, we're going to have to ask, well, what have you done outside of the classroom to get those particular criteria? 
And as someone who's read applications for 20 years now, let me tell you, I am often left with a what did you mean mentality when I finish reading the self-reported application. Because we at the University of California do not have the luxury of calling you, of emailing you, of having interviews. We don't allow letters of recommendation. So for us, your activities, your extracurriculars, your hobbies, your passions, what you do when you're not in class is all self-reported. The UC application will limit you to 20 entries in the UC application. So during the four years, what have you done? What are you doing right now? What are you planning to do through the end of senior year? And I'm going to tell you that 80% of seniors cannot remember in their senior year of high school what they did in their freshman year. <laughs> they can't remember the hours per week, the weeks per year. And, and that's a part of the UC application, the tally of commitment. So as Amber was saying, we're not looking just for a checklist of, oh, do you have community service hours? Check. Oh, are you oh, someone who loves theater? Check. Oh, do you play a sport? Check. No, 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 no. Some of us should never play a sport in public. Mm, it is not pretty, my friends. No, right here. So I don't have a checklist. I'm going to ask instead, what did you choose to do? What was important to you? What brought you joy? Are you that individual who, who is a, a, an athlete and you play at the high school and, a, and a, you do a club sport as well? Well, that's two different activities. They both go in your application. Are you someone who, you know, your parents don't allow you to do extracurricular activities because you have a curfew of sunset and, you know, the sun sets at five o'clock, so you've got to be home. The what you did, but also why you didn't do something can be reflective in the application and it adds to the holistic admissions process. So I use the word context when I talked about academics. Let me throw that word again out to you. Context when it comes to your personal accomplishments. I don't need you to win a Nobel Prize, though it's kind of cool if you, you do get one. <laughs> I don't need you to be the Olympic athlete, though I'm not going to get mad at you if you're ready to go to the Olympics. But I do want to know who are you and what have you done? because that's going to add to the diversity of our student body. And then I'm going to throw out one key thing. Yes, college admissions representatives often use the word well-rounded, and Amber actually told you not to think of that. But let me rephrase that. I don't need you, one person, to be well-rounded. But your ability to play that harmonica and my ability to, you know, speak multiple languages and someone else's ability to be an athlete and so on and so forth creates a well-rounded student body that creates that creativity in the classroom. And that's what my faculty have asked me to look for. So that's why I say don't compare yourself to anyone else, both inside the classroom, but also outside of the classroom. Because in the application, who you are and what you've done, I think it's worthy of a college admissions. So please share it all, the highs, the lows, the what you did, what you couldn't do within the application. And specifically to the University of California, it's going to be in our activities and awards section and in those infamous personal insight question responses. What brings you joy? I hope you are taking these gems and writing them down. Now we're going to go from activities and academics to another area that may bring some people joy and maybe not as much. So we're going to ask some questions about testing. So now we want to know, how does the University of California look at testing for the class of 2025? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Well, the University of California for the class of 25, 26, 27, moving forward has made it very public that we are test free. So the University of California's faculty, uh, they tell us in the admissions offices, here's what you can and cannot use. So they actually had been doing research on the SAT and ACTs prior to 2022 and the pandemic. It just coincided that their findings fell in line with 2022 when testing wasn't accessible or available. So we recognize that students want to share exams with us, but we will not allow you to add them to your application. And should you try to send them from the testing agency, we will not add them to the application, which means admissions, well, it's not going to use SAT or ACT in the selection process. And it's also not going to be used in the allocation of scholarships for our incoming students. So for us, there is no required exam, though there are some exams that I can see. I'll point out that the University of California admissions officers can see optional exams like advanced placement, international baccalaureate, and students who were able to take an SAT subject test before they went out, um, before they were removed in 2021. So for students who are thinking, do I have to do this? The answer is no, not for the University of California, though my colleagues at private schools might have a different answer. Do they? Well, let's find out. Amber, what's going on with the private schools now regarding about testing? Because UCs are test-free, Cal State CSUs are test-free, but what about the private schools? Well, again, just like, um, you know, I couldn't speak for all the private schools and their academic requirements, we're all over the board. Some private schools are going to require testing. Some are going to be test optional. Some are going to be test free. Um, I'm going to tell you what we're doing at TCU, um, how we're handling that. So you have a, a sense of that. But then I have a couple tips about testing in general so that you make sure that you're kind of kind of meeting the needs wherever um, your college list takes you. So at TCU, for right now, we have committed to being test optional at least through next fall's application. Um, cycle. So we, I don't actually have an answer for you sophomore parents. I personally feel like we're leaning to hanging on to that a little bit longer. Hopefully that's permanent. That's my personal opinion about it. But we should have an answer pretty pretty shortly about that. Um, what we're doing right now and how test optional works for us is optional truly means optional. Um, students can submit their test scores if they feel that that is something that will benefit their application. And if they don't submit them, no problem. I promise you from an inside, when we're reading the applications, when we go to committee, if there's no test scores there, there's no conversation about test scores. There's no conversation about, well, why did this student not submit a test score or anything like that? Students can feel very confident if they don't want to submit one, totally fine. That is not going to negatively impact their application. At TCU, what I, one of the things I'm very proud of is we have a no harm policy with the optional testing. So if a student does submit their test score to us, we will, when we read that application, we'll read it with those test scores in mind. And we will also read it without those test scores and whichever version of that is going to better benefit that student in our processes is what we then move forward to committee with. And again, there is no conversation at that point of why are we looking at test scores or why are we not looking at test scores? So test scores at TCU cannot be a negative for you. They can only help. So if you're thinking applying to TCU next fall, submit them if you've got them. Don't feel the need to go rush out and take a test or, you know, fly to a different state because your testing center was full the weekend you needed to do it. No need to do anything like that. It's totally fine. I think with my colleagues in private schools, the ones that do say optional, do mean optional. For sure, there's plenty of students getting into private schools without testing. The one thing that I would say to be careful of is to understand the date when you're reading about test optional policies. Because sometimes schools will say, we are test optional through 2024. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean their fall of 2024 application cycle? Does that mean their graduating class of 2024? Does that mean their incoming class of 2024? So look at the, and sometimes it's really hard to tell 
And sometimes you can't tell. So always ask that question of the admissions representatives from the schools you're looking at if they have that date set and it's not super clear what they mean by that year. Also, another great question to ask is, are tests required for special programs? You know, sometimes like a nursing program or an engineering program or something like that may require a test when otherwise that school was test optional. Not the case at TCU, but I do see that out there. Sometimes I have seen schools that require testing for their scholarship but not for admission. So that's something else to keep in mind. Also consider when you're starting to look now at the average test scores that are being submitted to schools or that are being accepted at schools, those are reflecting the last couple of years at those test optional schools, only the students that have chosen to submit their test scores. So they are admittedly a lot higher than they used to be, but that doesn't mean that you have to have a test score in that realm to get admitted if optional truly does mean optional at those schools. So those are just a few things to keep keep in mind. I think generally, I think you're safer to take a test and have a test score in case you need it. But I don't think is the mass hysteria that it was a number of years back, because I think students without test scores still have a lot of options. But I think it's great to have a test score in your pocket just to make sure you have all of the options should you want. Thank you both. You're thinking, well, maybe it's just UC or TCU that are either test free, test optional, fairtest.org. So right now there's 1800 colleges that are test free. But one of the key things is is always trust what's in black and white from the college campus. And then always encourage your students to ask those questions because what I want you to do is take a deep breath, have that little beverage because you guys are the class of 2025 and there's some more wonderful changes coming up. So starting with the class of 2025 and younger, there will be changes happening in the U.S. So what's happening fall 2023, the PSAT, the practice SAT test that our current sophomores who will be juniors in the fall of 2023 will have a digital PSAT test. Yes, the test is going paperless. Now, ACT at this time is still on paper, but we, our students will be having the, be taking the digital PSAT test. Remember, test-free schools will not look at an SAT digital test or the paper ACT spring 2024, spring semester of their junior year. It's going to be completely digital SAT test starting with the March administration. Now, this is a lot, but remember, you may say, Maybe we don't need to take a test. So you do have a lot more choices than in past admission sites. Okay, now what's our next steps? We're going to look at asking some common questions. We have about 75 years of college counselors experience just at St. Ignatius. And we wanted to put out there some questions to our wonderful panelists right now regarding about all these different questions. So we're going to start asking them away. So let's just start off with one big question that's happening. How does the case with affirmative action impact the admissions process? And so for those of you who don't know, there is a case right now with the Supreme Court about affirmative action for the nation. How's it going to impact whether it's a public school or a private school? Tuka has got a really simple answer to this, so I'm going to let her answer first and then I'll go. <laughs> sure. So the University of California has, and in the state of California, Proposition 209 states that we can't use ethnicity or gender. So that's all the CSUs, that's all the UCs. So it won't change our process at all moving forward. So for those of us that are not under the Prop 209 um, restrictions at this point that are still considering those things to help increase the diversity in our classrooms um, and on our campuses, that is still something that's going to be very important to us. We're going to have to shift how we're going about that. The techniques and the ideas are a little bit different for private schools than they are for public schools um, within states because there's ideas of, you know, trying to guarantee like the top however many percent of each school in that state gets a spot. There's things like that, which being a private and not being linked to a specific state necessarily, that makes that pretty tough. So we'll be looking to the University of California and to other schools that are maintaining diversity on their campuses without affirmative action for ideas and, and guidance that way. Um, but no, that is not a huge, huge driving factor of somebody getting in or not. All of the things we talked about already in this are much, much, much bigger players in determining admission for us. But but that keeping a diverse campus is still a huge priority for us. Ms. Wong, you have the next question. And thank you, ladies. 
Yeah, thank you so much. The next question that um, we've been hearing is, I heard that there are new financial aid policies um, being enacted for the um, junior class, starting with the junior class. What does this mean for funding for your campus? So I guess I can start in this one. Um, the University of California, when it comes to funding, we're dependent on the state of California and how that that allocation to the UC system plays. So we always look at it year by year as what's coming down the pipeline. The University of California to help families with you know a clear picture of what they can expect. Um, we did our tuition stability plan, which launched in 2021, allowing us to have a student their first year see their tuition, see their student fees, and have those locked in for their undergraduate degree. So that's our goal for financial aid and how things are moving forward is that a student and a family can clearly see what's coming down the pipeline. Right now, we have over 70% of UC students who receive financial aid throughout the state of California and the campuses. So we hope that students recognize that as a way to make campuses a little bit more affordable from the UC lens. And on the private side, it works a little bit differently. Um, we still do get, um, our students still can take advantage of some government funding. So the changes in the FAFSA and the changes in Powell and things like that, um, we, we just roll with that and what the government says we can give, we give. Um, but we also have, um, you know, our own endowment, our own money to give away. So for us, it's nice we have two different financial aid applications. We have the FAFSA that's, that's required to give away any of that government money, but then we also use the CSS profile to give away our own money. And that actually asks some more kind of in-depth questions because we're allowed to make the choices of how we give that money away. And we think that your cost of living matters a little bit, even though the FAFSA doesn't, doesn't differentiate someone living in very expensive California with somebody living somewhere else. We're able to do that stuff with our money. So when the government sends some changes down the pike, we are able to kind of level that out and it doesn't have as big of an effect on private schools in general. Thank you for both your campuses of putting all those efforts up front. And if you did miss the affording college presentation that we had a couple of weeks ago, it is on our SI Counseling podcast, wherever you stream, also on our YouTube channel, also at SI College Counseling as well too. So check them out in case you missed that. Now, next question is, if staying test optional or test free, are AP exam scores given more weight? And would you look at AP exams, especially if you're test free? So for, for us, we're test optional. So you can optionally send in AP scores if you'd like or not if you don't want. They are something just like the rest of our testing at TCU that can benefit your application. We like to see those passing scores if you've taken the AP test, but if they're not there, we are not asking the question of why we don't have them. So it's nothing that could make negatively impact a student for us, just maybe a bonus help. We see a lot of students across the state of California who often self-study for AP exams. And so context, my favorite word in admissions. Um, all right, you couldn't take the class, but you chose to self-study and take the exam. That's something that I can take into that academic review that I'm doing, right? It shows academic rigor. You chose to take the AP class and you did well in it. I can use that as well. So when it comes to AP exams, I, I ask myself, okay, were you taking the class and it's required for you to take the exam? Did you take the class, but you didn't take the exam? Cool. No problem because it wasn't required. Or did you take the exam without taking the class? So there's so many different scenarios in that. But GPA wise, the AP courses are weighted for the University of California. And then exam wise, the University of California allocates college units for scores of three, four, or five on an AP exam should a student enroll on our college campuses. Great. Thank you for that insightful information. The next question is, do I need to hire an independent educational consultant or like a private outside consultant than my college counselor at SI? I just want to let Amber or Kuka um, answer this first, and then I'll go ahead and um, answer that as well. I'll, I'll go. I'll start. <laughs> um, I think that that's a really personal question for each individual family. You, your families in particular, really well resourced at SI. You've got great college counseling there, so there is a lot of help on campus. But if a family feels that they need, you know, that 
that extra touch or more time than they can get at school or something like that. That's a choice a family can can make. Um, I do think it's important that that family continues to work with their high school counselors. And I do think that there's a too many hands in the cookie jar kind of feel sometimes um, when we see an application that is so polished that we cannot figure out what the student is like because it feels so very adult. Um, sometimes we can kind of see that coming through and it can actually start to tip the skills away from that authenticity that we're looking for. But um, but that's a personal choice for all of you. Yeah, I'm. I'm that's one of those that I've seen both sides of the coin, individuals who are like, I'm a parent and I don't want to be involved. I want someone else to tell my kid what to do and I'm willing to pay for it. I've also gotten individuals going, we can't afford it. And I say, if you're willing to do the research, the information is out there for free with your amazing high school counselors and the University of California admissions and or college admissions counselors as a whole. So it really isn't something that we will say yay or nay to on our end as admissions um, individuals reading applications. But I will say this, students, you must check the box on our application that says, I, the student, filled out my own application. I, the student, wrote my own personal insight questions. I say that everything I'm reporting is true and factual. So if it's not your voice, if it's not your application, you can't blame anybody else. Not your your amazing high school counselors, not an IEC. It is your responsibility to do all of the checks and balances for college applications. And I just want to add one more thing, too, that Kuka said there that you have us as your resources as well. So all of the information that your high school counselors can get from the colleges, all of the information that any independent counselor can get from the colleges, you can also reach out to the colleges. And lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think... Um, I can probably speak for both of us that working with students is one of our favorite things to do, which is why we are spending an evening working with a high school right now. So um, we are we work in admissions. We don't work in denials. It's our job to try to help you get admitted to our colleges. So we are open books and we'll help you in any way we can as well. Yeah, Amber Kuka, thank you for that affirmation. And I just want to echo in agreement and just let you know, uh, parents that I hope our timeline that we shared earlier, you know, gave you reassurance that at SI, you do have the resources. Um, you as parents, the students have the resources they need to have a successful college um, application process. We do provide many um, workshops, evenings to um, educate our parents and students. And we understand the heightened pressure, the anxiety, the overwhelmingness that comes with the college process. So that's why we work with the students' personal academic counselor as well um, to also just figure out like, what is the best schedule for the student, you know, in conjunction with their co-curriculars. So if um, it is a personal and a family choice to hire an independent um, educational consultant, and um, at SI, we feel like if you are going to um, go down this route, that you look for an IEC who ideally will check off all these boxes, right, who possesses a certificate in college admissions counseling from schools like Berkeley, Riverside, LA, San Diego. Um, they are a current WACAC or NACAC member, which are college associations of college counseling. And then they're also current members of HECA and um, IECA, which are um, independent educational consultant organizations. They can provide a reference from a college admissions officer and or a high school counselor um, and kind of vouch for them. All right, we have some more questions and then even more in the Q&A. So let's get to these other questions. Do I have to take honors or AP versus regular when I get an A? Nowhere no. in our requirements does it say you have to take an advanced class, but we do like to see you challenge yourself if you have the opportunity. Ditto. Is there a big advantage in the application review when a, uh, when a high school student takes college courses, say at a local community college? The dual enrollment process. So the University of California looks at AP, IB, UC approved honors and dual enrollment, those college transferable classes, all in the exact same way when we calculate the GPA. So they all get an extra credit point. When it comes to college credits earned, 
a college class will, with the passing grade, will automatically earn you the college units. And oftentimes we'll have a UC equivalent. So it's like you took that class at UCSB without taking it at UCSB. So note that there's some bonuses to those college classes. But the same can be said for an AP exam. They oftentimes will earn college credits. The difference is that there's oftentimes not a direct correlation to all of the college classes we teach. So I don't have preferences. I think it's very rare for a college, a UC campus to say, no, I want you to do college classes over honors or AP. And note that not every student is ready for a college class as a high school student. So again, look at yourself and ask, what can I do to challenge myself academically? All of that works the same at TCU as well. Um, one thing that I do think that taking some college courses can help is in that exploration area. If your high school doesn't have specialty classes in a certain area that you're really interested in or interested in exploring, I think it's really great to see students, you know, proving that academic curiosity and checking out those other ways um, before they get to college. So I think that's another way that those college classes can um, be a bonus or look great on your college application. Great. Now, earlier you guys talked about balance and joy. So help our families out in this competitive environment. Is it better to have a laundry list of activities or just a few focus activities? I'm pretty sure both of us said quality over quantity. (laughs) And I want to throw out just a little asterisk mark on this one. Um, We recognize that as we're coming out of the pandemic and we're coming out through that things might be interrupted. So if there were things that you started but couldn't complete, if if life happens and and you don't have those longevity activities, that's okay as well. Again, I'm going to ask what happened, why? So don't throw yourself into a stressful moment of spinning around in circles because you don't have two things that you've done for a really long period of time. As long as you can tell me why and what you chose to do instead, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, I haven't met a holistic review application platform that doesn't have a free text section where you can give some context to things or answer some questions. So if you're looking through your activities and it looks like, oh, there's a gap, please just explain that to us in the additional comments. Please just tell us what went on. Just like any relationship, it's about communication, communication, communication. There you go. I know it's recommended to take three years of, of world languages or language other than English. Is that more important than taking courses that are more closely aligned to what they think they want to study in college? Let's say like, is it better to take a language or a psychology class? Oh, I think this gets like the, the most standard answer you could possibly get from a college. It depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Um, you know, it depends on what's available at the high school. It depends on how much of the other stuff they were able to do or not able to do. It depends on how many class periods they get per day. So again, that's one of those things that if you've chosen to only take the two years because you wanted to focus on something else, tell us that. And the only thing I would make note of is if you're a future engineer on a University of California campus, I'm going to tell you, focus on math. That's going to be your big priority. Any engineering program, including computer science, wants to see you in a pre-calculus or higher. So if you're coming down to, should I take this class or a math class and I'm an engineer, then I'm going to tell you math. But everything else is completely up to you. And I would say kind of health sciences classes, if you're looking at nursing somewhere um, or direct admit nursing, especially if you're able to take that anatomy and physiology or the advanced bio or advanced chem, that's going to be really important too in those kind of cases. Thank you. And the next question has to do with AP test. Um, If a student scores a four or five on an AP test, for example, um, AP computer science A or AP stats without taking the underlying class, do the UCs take that into account? Would the student get credit for for taking the underlying class? So the University of California will ask students if they've completed an exam, and again, a three, a four, or a five will earn a student the college units when they're enrolled. And then each UC campus has what's called an AP translation chart, which will then tell you whether or not you're going to get the college credit for that class as well. So it's not a straight answer across all the UC campuses. You'll want to look at our general catalog to see if you get the class credit as well. Yeah. And then don't forget to look at the College Board. College Board will show all that for all the colleges nationwide. Now, there's another question. When a reader's helping create a well-roundedness, do they communicate with one another to know what they are seeing? 
How does it work behind it all, so to speak? Oh gosh, it's going to be different and the same. Yes. You start, Amber. <laughs> okay, so for so for us and for a lot of private schools, and I can't speak for all of them because everybody has a slightly different admissions model. But by and large, we read by region. So my territory is all of Northern California and all of Nevada. I am pretty well versed in what's happening in Northern California and Nevada, and I read enough applications that I can create my own well-rounded with with just what's coming out of this area. However, um, nothing is read by one person ever. It's always read by a minimum of two, oftentimes three or four people actually view and read that application. Um, we participate in committees to have these conversations and things like that go on too. So, um, so yes, we do talk to each other, but yes, we also see enough students that we can kind of see where that class is shaping up or what that's kind of looking like by territory. And I'll speak that we don't read by territory. Um, so my territory is uh, South America, Central America, the South like there's just no way to read all of that. So when it comes to UC admissions, there are a handful of campuses that do territory review, but the rest of us is like next, next, next. So it's upon the discretion of the student to give us that context. Now, when we talked about that diversity on our campuses and, and bringing in all those different talents, we don't read by committee. So I will have a whole training that my entire team goes through so that we can be what we're called normed, so that everyone's looking at the application in a the, the same lens, the lens that our faculty asked us to look through. So to understand what things mean, right? What does it mean to be at a high school that has an optional for AP? What does it mean to be at a high school that doesn't? What does it mean to be at a large public with 2,000 students? And what does it mean to be at a small private with 400 students. So when we're looking at that, we all now have the same lingo down and we're now reading the application, the self-reported application that a student turns in with no extras, no transcripts, no letters of recommendation, no interviews. I can't Google anything. So this is what allows me to go in and sort of evaluate and review a student and understand the talents that they can bring onto the campus and value all the different types of talents that a student is sharing in that application. That's what it means for holistic review for us at the UCs. So the next question, how do admission officers judge between one candidate who took an AP history course and performed well in that class and another whose school, I think they're talking about St. Ignatius, who only has an honors U.S. history class, but but perform well in the highest level course offered at St. Ignatius. I'll start by saying I don't compare the two students or the two schools. So that's the easiest answer. Every student, you are all going to be read individually. <laughs> and for us, where we don't read by territory, I'm not going to be looking at the school across the street or the school in Texas and going, who do I like better? So it's what was available to you. What did you take advantage of? Now, if you need to highlight that you love history, but you didn't have an AP history class at your high school, that's where those additional comments come in to set that context for me, the reader. Same. Yep. Context. Context is everything. And that's part of why we have regional admissions. Um, representatives too is so that we can get to know your high schools better and we know what's offered and what is rigorous and what is not in various places. So that helps us understand that too. But yeah, you're doing the highest level that you can do at your school. That that is fantastic. That's always going to be good. Thank you. Um, the next question is do the parents' education background affect the process? And if it does not, why is it required on the application? I can speak that the UC application asks about it, but it's not a required question. Not sure about the Common App. For us, we, again, love context. So if I've got parents um, who have PhDs, then there's a different context in the household versus parents who didn't go to college at all. There's a different context in the household. Is it going to be the reason why I, I admit or deny a student? No, but it's just another little piece of the puzzle that gives me a, a clearer picture of who the student is. Now, if a student doesn't put any parent information down, that's okay as well. But the more you share with us students, the more I understand all of the pieces of your life at home and your life at school. And I'm telling you right now, the more you share with me, the easier it is for me to read your application and get that holistic admissions to really sing your praises. 
you don't need to hear anything different from me because I have exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, it can, sometimes it sounds feels like, you know, it, it, the each college campus, even though different and gray in many ways, is just looking for that great applicant to be part of their community and families. Now, this is our last question. So here it is. Does being in a private school like St. Ignatius and getting an A at SI translate any different in the application process compared to getting an A at a public school? Or generally, do you view private schools differently? That's a tough question because, again, it comes back down to that context piece. What do we know about SI, right? Do we know that your S, your A at SI is unusual, that your classes are super, super hard there, and that might stand out? Um, what do we know about that public school? What do we know about, you know, those sorts of things? Generally, an A is going to look great anywhere. It's the best grade you can get. So there's not a place where an A is going to look bad in anything I'm reviewing. Um, but again, for us, it's, it's just more context, knowing where you came from. And I don't want you to think that, you know, Kuka mentioned, like knowing the parent education, that if your parents had PhDs, we would expect something more from you or expect something different. Sometimes it just helps us answer some questions where you didn't type stuff in the um, additional com comments. It gives us a little bit more context about what's going on. And I would say the type of school you are at or the specific school you are at does that for us as well. I don't compare you to a, someone at a, a public school. I'm not comparing you to someone else at St. Ignatius. So I think that's the part that if, if you can take that in and believe it, then I'm going to feel like tonight was a success. But I will tell you this. I don't expect you to get straight A's. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I love straight A's. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, as someone who, who failed chemistry in high school I and still got into a UC campus, I'll tell you, as much of life experiences that you can bring forward to match your academics or to balance your academics, that's what holistic admissions is all about. So that B student who happens to have this amazing ability to sing and dance, I want them on my campus, I do. So if you're looking for every straight A, then okay, that's your benchmark, great. But that's not my requirement for admission. It's not something my faculty say I have to go and only admit straight A students. So hopefully that also gets taken in, that you listen to it and that you believe it because the hardest part of our job in admissions is telling you the truth and having you not believe it because your best friend's neighbor's uh, you know, uncle got a B and that's why they didn't get into UCSB last year, you know, whatever it might be. So I leave that as my final note. Yeah, we have no reason to, to lie to you. We want to help you get admitted to our schools. So we want to tell you what this is. We recognize this is not a game. This is not a game. We want you to be authentic. We want you to do your best. We want you to show us who you are. And if that's a, if our campus is a great fit for you and you're a great fit for our campus, then let's do this thing. Yeah, thank you so much. Hopefully, parents, this was informative and you feel a little bit more equipped um, in the process. Um, I just want to thank Amber and Kuka for spending time with us this evening. They are knee deep in reading applications right now. So even an hour of your time is so precious. And we thank you. Thank you so much um, for your expertise, your knowledge and your time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you for listening to SI Counseling Podcast where we help our students strive to respond courageously to the opportunities and challenges of our time.